0: Hello, I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch Podcast. Last year, the hard left, pressure groups like the Sunrise Movement, politicians like U.S. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York, and labor unions like the Service Employees International Union, presented the Green New Deal, a package of radical environmentalist policy demands that ranged, according to an FAQ document that the Green New Dealers denounced in memory hold shortly after its release, from banning air travel to retrofitting every building in the United States. Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell denounced it as a radical top-down socialist makeover of the entire U.S. economy. Sycott Chakrabarti, one of Representative Ocasio-Cortez's close allies and a former aide, admitted the Green New Deal was a how-do-you-change-the-entire-economy plan. But what would the Green New Deal actually mean for consumers and families? Today, I'm joined by Jason Isaac, senior manager for the Life Powered Project at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, TPPF, to dig into that question and other issues related to energy, both in Texas and nationally. Jason, could you tell us a little bit about the Life Powered Project and your work with TPPF?
1: Yeah, we're an initiative of the Texas Public Policy Foundation, and our short mission is to raise America's energy IQ. We make the connection between human flourishing and access to energy, uh, and then we do a lot of policy research. We spend a lot of time with policymakers around the country, both at the state and federal level, as well as the local level, uh, because some of these policies are being proposed not only in Washington, D.C. by people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders. They're being proposed at the local levels by city leaders that think that they can affect uh, the changing climate. But we go out and uh, just try to educate people about the benefits of access to affordable, reliable energy.
0: And then so how does the Green New Deal enter into things here? What, it, what is the idea behind the Green New Deal? What would it do or try to do?
1: Well, jokingly, if you actually read the Green New Deal that I have several times, it actually calls for the elimination of all greenhouse gases, not just a reduction of greenhouse gases, but an elimination. So to add a little bit of humor of it, what it would do is would end all life on Earth as we know it, (laughs) uh, because a large portion of greenhouse gases are water vapor, and we kind of need that as a species to survive, Uh, not to mention oxygen and carbon dioxide, both things critical for life on Earth. Uh, but, but really and it does also call for the elimination of carbon dioxide emissions from the United States, along with the Paris Climate Accord that calls for a significant reduction. Uh, but it, re- it would really absolutely do nothing to improve the environment whatsoever. It would actually put us back into the dark ages where we resort to cooking with biomass materials in our you know, homes such as all of this. Massive- all
0: of this sounds like a uh, cultural commentator and I believe newly minted Texan Sonny Bunch wrote, uh, when he was reviewing, uh, I believe it was Avengers Endgame with Thanos doing the snap. Environmentalists <laughs> make great movie villains because they want to make your real life worse. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that, That's exactly right. I encourage uh, the people that are proposing the Green New Deal to spend a day in the life of uh, a, th- a 13-year-old girl named Aisha, who walks over eight hours a day to collect water. At 13 years old, walking by herself with her camel and plastic water jugs for over eight hours a day. This is a, a wonderful short video by Aisha, or by Unicef that covered Aisha, uh, and that's what we are relegating people to around the world, and you, there are people here that are li- these liberal elites that wanna move us to that uh, way of life in the United States. We've got an incredible lifespan here in the United States. We are a world leader when it comes to access to clean and safe drinking water, actually number one in the world. Uh, we're a world leader in reducing harmful pollution from the environment. Uh, over 3.8 million people die every year from lung illnesses related to indoor air pollution because they're cooking with things like wood, coal over an open fire without any pollution control technology, and biomass, animal dung. Uh, and that's what the Green New Deal seeks us to push back to. Forget innovation. Let's just stop life as we know it. So so, in
0: 350.org's Bill McKibben, who's one of the sort of biggest uh proponents of the radical 100% renew, I'm air quoting, I'm making air quotes now 100% renewable, 100% wind and solar energy. You know, I I, I suspect you do not believe that such a move is feasible or that possibly even desirable. Would that be an accurate statement of your position?
1: Absolutely. It's a complete ploy. He wants to ban the use of fossil fuels immediately and then go 100% renewable. Well, I'm sorry, you're not making any renewable products without the use of fossil fuels. The plastics that go into solar, the steel that goes into wind, the fiberglass that go in the wind blades, which, by the way, has a lifespan of about 20 years and can't be recycled. Is is absolutely appalling, and so it's just this ignorant emotional play. Even,
0: I mean, even the even the, the construct, yeah. and that's before you actually start, you know, getting guys together and start building stuff. When the environmentalists are proposing, you know, the Green New Deal. Like, like, like let's assume that it were that it were feasible, like, even though we've kind of established that, at least in medium term, isn't. Uh, what sort of costs are we talking about? Like, what what is the scale of this of this proposal?
1: Well, that's where it gets interesting. Is when you look at the portion of the population that is already spending a, a significant. What, what? Let me back up a step. Affordable energy. The government determines that anything that less than six percent of your income paying towards energy is is what's considered affordable. You've and got that, cities and that, like and, San Antonio.
0: And does that does that, uh, that applies both to your utility, your, my electric utilities, and transportation fuel, or just electric utilities?
1: That's just utilities at your home. It could be electric, natural gas, until every single city in the U.S. bans it um, and drives up the cost of living. But about below 6% is what's considered affordable. You've got the the bottom half of the poorest people in cities like San Antonio, which are spending almost 30% of their income just on their home utilities. Uh, And that's about 130,000 families in San Antonio. We've done the research for San Antonio. We've done the entire research for the state of Texas. The cost increase in San Antonio, over $1,000 increase in the cost of electricity bills, which is not going to be very reliable. There are several military installations in the city of San Antonio that buy a lot of electricity from the electric provider, which is called CPS Energy, that's controlled by the city. They're not going to deal with having unreliable electricity. So they'll put diesel generators all over the base to make sure they have the uh, necessary electricity to fund it or to fuel their operations. It's a big security threat to our and that, country by these and that a thousand And
0: that $1,000 increase, that doesn't include... Uh, any changes in transportation costs? Does it
1: not? No, it does not, because there's a significant increase in cost there as well. When you look at Texas, the entire cost of the Green New Deal, what that means to every single family, every family that's spending about $1,000, $1,400 a year on electricity now, that cost of electricity goes to $5,000 a year. The land that is required, it's, it's amazing. It's five million new acres of generation, wind and solar generation, just in the state of Texas. And another 1.2 million acres for uh, transmission lines, which uh, there's controversy over infrastructure with pipelines. Imagine the spider web of power lines that we're going to need to install and put in around the United States for these uh, renewable energies, which aren't renewable.
0: That actually brings us to somewhere we wanted to go. when, when I think of Texas and I think of kind of industry in Texas, one of the ones that comes to mind is oil extraction uh, and then oil, oil refining. Um, so I would think that the state would be pretty resistant to sort of pie-in-the-sky environmentalism uh, like the Green New Deal. Uh, but is that, is that the case? Should, should we assume that, that Texas is, is resistant
1: to this? No, I don't think so. I think you're seeing capitulation on the right from the, the legislators that across the country that are saying well, we've got to do something about this because polling shows that we have to, uh, that over 60 percent of the population believes that there is a catastrophic climate crisis on the verge of happening or we're in the middle of it. And those same 60 percent of the people w- refuse to pay a dime, I mean, literally refuse to pay anything to to make any changes. Um, So we do need to be concerned in Texas because there is this constant capitulation when you've got groups that are spending billion dollars a year telling people it's a problem and they need to fear for their lives. They're going to impact the people that work for them as elected officials we're actually seeing some some things being passed in cities the city of san antonio for instance passed its uh, climate action and adaptation plan i call it the carbon reduction action plan with a more fitting acronym the city of houston's doing the same thing dallas austin texas these big cities that reap a lot of benefits from the oil and gas industry from funding our roads to funding our schools our public education system to having over a 16 billion dollar economic impact annually They're wanting to get us away 100% from fossil fuels. But what we've proven by getting people access to fossil fuels is they live longer. They live healthier lives. They're more prosperous. Uh, This environmental leadership and economic prosperity go hand in hand. And we've got an opportunity to export our energy around the world and lift people out of poverty all over the world. We've About a billion people in the world that don't have access to electricity. And that's something that Texas and the United States could solve just in the next few short years. Well, that would be, uh, be be quite the benefit if,
0: if we were able to pull it off, thanks to, among other things, affordable energy. Well, I'd like to thank Jason Isaac of the Texas Public Policy Foundation for joining us this week. That's our show. We encourage you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next week.